Good morning, Stefan. Good morning, Jamie. Hey. Here we are. <laughs> Our audio works. <laughs> Thursday number 29. Or, I think so. Uh, episode 29. It is episode 29, and it is the 29th of December, incidentally, 2022. Uh, kis <laughs> kismet. You know what? And it's funny because I, I don't like to timestamp them usually. Like, episode is great because that's general, right? But it's happened a couple times where it falls exactly on a date. I don't know. And I think that's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I like it. Well, we're right in between two holidays, two U.S. holidays, at least, I guess, big holidays. Yes. Many, uh, Many bad decisions have been made. <laughs> yeah? On your part? <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, no, no. I'm like, how I are you doing? I don't think so, no. <laughs> many bad decisions have been made. Many good decisions have been made. And people will be hopefully leaving those uh, bad decisions and bad ideas in the dust. Yeah, why not? Why not? But, it's a fresh start today, every day. It is every day that, and we talked about that. That's the benefit of a night of sleep. Yeah, right. Fresh start <laughs> in the morning. I um, I did yeah. a post about that. I my one of my little coffee doodles, or I was, you know, it was like my dad used to be like, ah, resolutions, you know, and and I was like, what's up with that, dad? And he's like, start right now, start today. Why wait for this big monumental moment? Why put things off when you could just start right now? You know, and. It always kind of oh. stuck with me. Yeah, I think uh, I think having some date where you decide to make a change in your life uh, absolves you from the opportunity <laughs> that that is there every single day, yeah. every single day, and and it's not the it's not one giant action that gets us somewhere. No, right? it's, it's a series. Away. Yeah, it's series of very um, meticulous series of thoughts and patterns and uh, practice that gets us anywhere. Yeah, that's um, I think back in the the tiny challenges era of my life, which I still am very regularly doing. My coffee doodles to me are still a tiny challenge. I don't do them every day. I would like to do them every day. But there are days when they just don't happen. Um, and that's okay. Like I'm okay with it, but but every day that I miss one, the next day I'm like, okay, set it back, get it back on track. And then, you know, I do as many as I can until it happens again that I miss one. The holidays have definitely been a greater challenge for me to keep up with a, a daily anything, um, just with the sheer volume of things on my plate. And you know, like moving into, I don't know, moving forward from that. It's like, you always learn when you're in it, right? You kind of go, Ooh, I took on some things. Now I realize I've taken on too many things and now I have to like work through it until you're through it. And then, okay, now I have a moment to breathe again. How do I not repeat that and maybe learn from what, um, like reassess and, and, and then grow from there, grow forward from there. And so I've been in a lot of uh, that, like sort of the, the pause between, I, I think I like this time of year for exactly that. There's a moment where I can just breathe and 
you know, there's the rush of Black Friday all the way up until basically December 24th. And then it calms down and for us. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, the space between then and now um, is a time to kind of regroup and rethink and kind of, I don't know, just like ponder, if that makes sense. Just like sit with it. Yeah, I've been taking great pleasure in less. Yeah. Do, yeah. Doing less of everything. And I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it till it till I got to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day uh, because we had held Christmas Day Christmas. Our Christmas German Christmas Eve is German Christmas is Christmas Eve. So uh, we usually gather on Christmas Eve. And uh, this time we gathered on Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. Mm -hmm. Well, at any rate, we gathered on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Because my brother, my brother, my brother and his wife and the three kids and the two dogs, they decided to drive to Montana on Friday to visit their, my brother's in-laws. Nice. which was very brave. Some would call it crazy because it was the, <laughs> the peak of the ice, oh, the yeah. Stormageddon uh, bomb cyclone ice storm. We had an ice storm on the west side I of the mountains that. and snowstorm on the yeah. yeah, it was something. So my brother was on the road and then wow. they didn't make, they didn't make it to Montana. But that's his adventure, not mine. <laughs> and uh, my adventure happened to involve a whole lot of doing nothing because we had Christmas on Christmas, on our version of Christmas Eve on Thursday. And then Friday and the rest of the weekend, I went rock climbing. And then I came home, I cooked a lamb roast over the weekend. And then there were all manner of football games, basketball games on. I had one beer. All right. <laughs> all right. I one can't even beer. do that anymore. And <laughs> <What's> that? <laughs> I can't even do one beer. I can do like a margarita <laughs> or a tequila, but beer, I can't do beer anymore. I have to do it on an empty stomach. Oh, wow. It's kind of like a me the beer is kind of a meal. It is the me. meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the meal. It's like it's the carb. Loaf of bread. E yeah. E eating a loaf of bread. Yeah. That's what I did. I ate a loaf of bread. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the quiet. Yeah. And then I got on the phone and I talked to people who I haven't talked to in a long uh. while. That's really nice. And wrote wrote little notes to the people that I haven't connected with in a while. And then just enjoyed the the doing nothing. Just yeah. not having any agenda whatsoever. And frankly, I got a lot done. Yeah. Got my desk got my desk cleared, got <laughs> emails done. I mean, just because I didn't force myself I didn't ask myself to do those things they just naturally it's like oh I got some time now I'll just clear my desk or yeah. 
I can put this laundry away. And you know, I, I love that. And I, I feel like we had a, a similar experience. I don't know if I, with all the things going on at the shop, well, let me back up further in previous years. Um, decorating for Christmas just got overwhelming for me personally. So like we have cats, the cats would attack the tree. And then we had to be really mindful about what we put out. And then it just became unfun. And then, and then over time, it was just exhausting, right? Like I felt like I was setting it up for me and like that nobody else really cared. So the, like the last, I don't know. So first, like we got rid of the big tree and then we went to like a tree this big, which was fun and funny, you know, we made it funny. And then we had for the tree stand was a giant cardboard box that we wrapped to look like a gift. Like, you know, so the tree is this big on a box that's like this big, right? So, um, and- Did the cats it, attack that too? No, it, they they left that one alone for the most part. Okay. So that part was good. But then like, so this year though, it was just like, I am busy. <laughs> I was busier than normal. Like, you know, as you know, picture this got busier than it has been in since 2018. Um, but I also have another work project that I'm pretty much full-time on. And so it was just like, all of a sudden I had like a lot of work to do and the kids and School of Rock and, you know, all of the things. And, and so like, I just didn't even think about decorating this year. Like it was just not even on the radar. And one night we came home and the girls had gone out to like the dollar store at Goodwill and they found stuff. Cause like our supplies, even our Christmas supplies are in storage at the picture of this office. I have no idea where, but you know, so it was just one of those things, but we came home and they had decorated and they bought like playful gifts um, and wrapped them all. And like, it was just a fun, it was fun and sweet. And, you know, my daughters are 17 and 13 and for them to like own it, they owned Christmas this year and they made it, it was almost like they reversed the script, right? Um, like Ken and I were the kids and they were the parents that made Christmas magical for us. And it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. And by the time we got to Christmas, I think Christmas Eve, we, I had, you know, everything stopped circuit. We closed the office for the first time ever. We closed picture this for three days. We've never been closed for three days in a row ever, but we closed it for three days. It made sense Saturday, Sunday, and then the Monday that, that followed. Um, we've just never done it before. Um, so yeah, we took three days off, off. I was off, off, off. And so I played games on my iPad. We made delicious food. We sat around, we talked, we hung out, we slept. We just got outside a little, like, I don't know. It was perfect. It was perfect to me. That sounds like the true joy of Christmas right, right there. And <laughs> it's awesome. And, and Christmas logistics were, uh, were, uh, um, delegated to the younger generation. Just I loved by it. Yeah. I mean, they did. It became, everything. it became, it became their Christmas. It right? really the, the was. Christmas, the Christmas they, the Christmas they wanted, right? Or the, the Christmas best. they, they created. That sounds, that sounds magnificent. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. And we, you know, like our thing, once they got old enough, like they would prefer to just go, if we're going to give them things, just give them cash and let them go. <laughs> 
go buy some things that they they want and that they choose it gives them a little more independence and so like I it just always feels so hollow as a mother to do that like you know you feel like you want it to be something that it's very care invested and yet when you know they get to have an experience like going and just doing what they want for a few hours or whatever that I guess is a I liked that experience at that age too so I get it but yeah yeah, 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 it's good. <laughs> and then yesterday, yesterday was also a quiet day, but I spent five hours with our tax CPA moving books for four companies and it was awesome. I know that sounds terrible to say weird maybe, but like it was awesome because no. it's progress. Like it's massive progress for us. For this nerd, uh, sitting with a CPA, a competent CPA, and organizing the business creates a great deal of relief yeah. and joy and excitement <laughs> right like possibility and vision that's how I felt I was just like sitting with her because we haven't done this for a while like we, we're we always you know we're very good at paying all our things and doing all our things and filing all our things but it, we had been on one bookkeeping system for a while and it was very limiting and we realized it about two years ago but you know, finally realizing what we needed to do and like kind of just facing like what felt a little overwhelming, like four companies, we got to move them all over. But um, she guided us through so, everything. Yeah. <laughs> was this moving from bench to another, another system? Yeah. To oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, bench yeah. has been great. It was great for the smaller size of things. But now yeah. we, the way that we're doing things and investing in new ideas. Bench didn't give us, it was very limited in what we could actually go in and do very quickly. Everything we needed to do, you have to put in a request and wait for them to do it, their book first to yes. do it. And it didn't, you know, it wasn't working for us anymore. So I think it worked great for us for, you know, years one through four, and then years four and a half through now six, it was just time to grow into, we grew out of what bench was able to do for us. So like, no, I don't have anything negative to say about bench. It was great for us for a certain period of time. It was kind of like WooCommerce, right? Like I, we WooCommerce mm -hmm. got us launched, but then it wasn't able to meet our needs after a certain point. And so we ended up building our own system because nothing out there was really um, great for supporting one of a kind things that we were doing every order being one of a kind you know it was just there wasn't anything out there at the time doing anything doing what we needed so we built our own expensive time well, consuming <laughs> yeah well that's interesting we'll we will uh, because i have also because we started a long time ago and a number of businesses i've used bench for a number of businesses but yeah. uh, we also um, we also have used bench for where next, and we are also at that point where we it's might, time. Be, yeah. it might be time. Yeah. So, um, that's good information to hear. Yeah. I, I do for, like when we can talk a little and, shop here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and for any young entrepreneur or any old entrepreneur or new entrepreneur starting their business, uh, a system like bench is amazing because you have professional accountants bookkeepers doing yeah. book yeah. bookkeepers doing uh working with you and uh you can talk to them every month you can give a call every month and you can uh 
and they will learn your business over time. They learn your business and learn what buckets to put things into. And um, I would say that every month I could go on a bench and there might only be, let's say three to five different things that I would need to personally organize yeah. Yeah. or reorganize if they were put in the wrong bucket. And it gave me a great sense of relief to have Same. a competent, trustworthy system behind me. It just made tax filing every month so easy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, doing that, the, all of that. Yeah, I agree. It was, I, re I, it was, <laughs> it was really good. Similar experience. And I do think too, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe the focus of this one is like starting new ideas too, right? Like, um, for us, often we put a lot of ideas out there. Some succeed, some don't. And and so like something to get started really quick and easily. Um, QuickBooks at the time was too overwhelming for me to like figure out. It just seemed overwhelming, but that's what we ended up moving to. So we, we moved from Bench to QuickBooks Online, the online version of QuickBooks. And there are several levels of that. We're in like the second level, I think. And if we need more than that, we'll upgrade as, as we go, but there's still room to grow um, within QuickBooks, right? And so like, we don't need the top of the very end <laughs> QuickBooks thing, but for, we have between Ken and I, four active companies and then a lot of ideas that we're seeding, you know, and we seed those with personal money. We've never taken outside investment. Um, and so, yeah, like it's, it, you know, now we have a way to scale that and to understand how to incubate and grow um, the, these ideas. And if they, you know, fizzle out, we're still under this sort of one umbrella to start. And then it, as things, you know, as we drop in the little seeds and we water them, we incubate them. Um, if they grow, we're able to move them out. They taught us kind of how to do that. They taught us how to plan to look good on paper if we want to buy a building, which is a goal someday. Um, and, and so, yeah, just like how to like start looking good on paper in certain ways and, you know, just things to kind of um, like goals and aspirations, but along with the reality of where we're at and, and just trying to, you know, I, I don't think we were in we're not in bad shape at all. It was just like, it's time we're growing. We're bursting at the seams at our current way of doing things. And it's time to <laughs> create a little space again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's great to have the right tools and it's even, even better to have the most competent people around us. Yeah. Hired. There's nothing like a great hired gun, like a CPA. Oh my gosh. I have to tell uh, you, who, I love our guy. I, we have a guy and I work with Kayla. So it's like Mark and Kayla, but I, I didn't uh, cut you off. I get excited about them though, because that's such a huge, I worked with an accountant. I, I have to tell you when we launched picture this, we worked with a different accountant. Somebody had referred good friend said, work with this guy. I worked with this other guy. I actually left the guy that I loved because it was this new viral business. And I was like, maybe we need bigger guns because my friend told me we did. And uh, oh my gosh, every time I talked to this accountant, Stefan, I couldn't sleep for three days. I was stressed out and like, we're doing everything wrong. And you know, it was just, and so I, after one year went back to the original guy and I was like, oh, and he's like, 
oh it's okay <laughs> like you're actually like okay we can move this and move this and he's like this is optional you don't have to do it this way you can but you also could do it this way or this way and that's i think that's what i love about the guy that i the, the team that i have right now is they they look at things and go well yeah they're okay so here's like hardcore but then there's also you know this way or this way or this way that are still very correct not you know not pushing any lines or boundaries of legality but you know just like other ways to think of it which i love yeah so important so important and we talked about this last week you you have to find people who are better than you we have to find people who are better than us at every single thing at every Super, single thing at every single thing in the business we need to have somebody who's better and bes- people underestimate the importance of accounting accounting is the absolute foundation of the business <laughs> yes, it, it is, is it is it is the only place you get unfiltered super clear information about the health of your business yeah everything else is conjecture fantasy imagination right it's like let's look at the books the books how much do we you, spend yeah. on this how much did we make what are we spending on these subcontractors what are yep. we spending on our what are we spending on our employees yeah. And what spend on this campaign? How much did we sell on this campaign? All of these things come from the accounting system, having a good accounting system. And, and that setup is so n- crucial. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And, and well, accounting is the ultimate framework for the business because mm-hmm. there is no one method of accounting. It's like we decide which metrics, which bucket we want to create for our business. I want to track how much we spend on this. I want to track how much we spend on this. This part isn't important. We can just group all those things together. And that right? was like we, a there's... Bi- yeah, <clears throat> that was a big right. part of yesterday too. And, you know, and I, I feel like this, even though we're re- like, this is a little tactical business um, conversation, but I, I feel like it's really important in how it connects to sort of um, your own personal frameworks too, right? And like the importance of like what you were saying, right? These categories and grouping things together, but you can dive down into a category and make it as granular as you want or need to give you a clearer picture. And that's that's exactly what we've been, you know, like what I spent five five hours and 12 minutes was where the clock stopped yesterday. And, you know, and I was like, it was exhausting and my brain was so tired at the end of the day but but I left feeling like yeah we're so ready for 2023 now you know and I I just like I felt good and I love that feeling and and it's because of exactly what you're saying it's like this this framework has been like we built a framework over time that we've outgrown and now we kind of like dumped it out took it apart look at it looked at it and then put it back together in a way that made sense for growing forward. And that to me is like so relevant to what we talk about all the time, right? Like whether it's frameworks or let it, when you need to let go of a framework entirely and rethink things, but you know, with, with money, it's good to have a a structure. I just got so excited about, um, I mean, it seems silly to me, but like, it's also, it's very exciting because it's possibility and it's hope and it's optimism. And those are, some of my favorite things. 
Well, I can tell, I can tell you, you have an unbridled excitement about it. I would, I would too. Um, and also <laughs> I can, I can get excited about it because I have interests. Yes, in you do. Your, I actually have a business you interest have some in percentage. picture this success. <laughs> I have some percentages. You sure do. You sure do. And that's, you but know, that, like, the, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, um, look more so than the business, more so than the business plan, the f the accounting structure is the guidance system of the business plan, yeah. and the accounting system is the framework uh, that the biz that needs to reflect the business plan, right? And yeah. and if the accounting system is showing certain things that aren't in the business plan then the business plan needs to be fixed. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and that, you know, and that's really like, I think such a huge part of it too, is like, it's not just, you know, things out of somebody's head, right? Like this is, this is the reality of things. And man, I, I don't know, to me, after going through things yesterday and looking at, at our year, after having several years of Ken and I putting you know, quarter million dollars into keeping it alive to have a year where we just about broke even <laughs> was actually awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was like right there. So it was, you know, that was really cool. And, and when you look at like the actual expenses and stuff that we, most of them were seeding new ideas. So it was, it was not even like that picture this isn't profitable um in reality it was profitable this year and but a lot of you know a lot of what we had put in um instead of taking money back out of it to pay ourselves back we just put it back into new ideas so yeah, yeah. and and the thing is is you wouldn't have known about your success had you not <laughs> had a good accounting system exactly. right you would have said oh Oh, we it's, ended the year just break even, but you put money into R and D. You, uh, right? You took care. You you're growing the business. You're investing in the business, and you wouldn't know that unless you had a really good accounting system. Well, and that's and even the other. Go ahead. <laughs> well, the the um, the other thing I would add to that especially for services businesses is having a having a great legal advice yeah having somebody who can help you build all the contracts that get you the money that eventually you account for yeah, right like that sure. and that's the classic uh mike montero right the yep. the presentation <laughs> that everyone in the creative industry knows about and if and for any entrepreneurs who might be listening um this is the other th this is the other thing that's super important is just having great contracts having a great legal structure and being confident as to who owns the business how do you get paid how do your clients interact with you and what are your clients responsible for and what are you responsible for and that all comes down to writing a great contract and enforcing the contract the rules the and creating rules for your business and so i would i'm speaking for Jamie and me at this point 
and I would say, <laughs> Jamie, we would recommend that anyone who's starting a new business watch Mike Montero of yeah. Mule Mule Design. Yeah. He is the founder of Mule Design. Uh, watch mm -hmm. his presentation. It's called "Fuck You, Pay Me." <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, he's got a lot of good stuff out there. I I got to. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I spoke in a lineup with Mike. Um, man, I think I remember. I've been with that a couple of times, but I feel like we became pretty, you know, well connected and we got to ride rides with him at Disney World with him and his wife, Erica. And, um, you know, I only knew who Mike Montero was because of Ken. Ken was like, we should bring him when we were at Zappos and we were, we did a visiting artist series and, um, oh, yeah. we ended up leaving before we got Mike out there. But, um, but then over time I ended up in a lineup as a speaker at the same conference he was a speaker at and we just became really good friends i would i would dare to say but um yeah he actually it was great after he met ken he um he did a thing ken was in the audience when he spoke when mike did his talk this is at disney world and the audience was big and um anyway he asked like he read like five designer names of designers and he goes if these designers would please stand up and he's like da 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 ken finney and he had ken stand up and then he asked everybody in the room to just give him a, a round of applause and like so like the whole room is clapping for ken finney and he was just like oh but it was so sweet and so beautiful and it was just like these are designers that are you know like trying to do a good job out here right? <laughs> like I don't remember exactly how he framed it but it was really neat and it was uh it was it was quite an honor you know this is somebody who'd been kind of a hero of Ken's and here he was he asked Ken to stand up um during his talk and um give him a round of applause and then we got a really great video clip um of Mike saying fuck you Ken Finney <laughs> which, was, which was amazing so <laughs> Yeah. All right, so that's the primer for anybody starting a starting a business, especially anything that, well, actually any, any, any young, any new entrepreneur. Yep. Um, that that pro I would say that's probably one of the top things you need to understand about your business is the importance of having good contracts and good legal advice. And yeah. then really what we've been talking about all along here is having good accounting and being meticulous about accounting and getting into a habit of being meticulous about accounting. And, and there is no one accounting style or solution that fits all the accounting reflects the business and the business plan and the goals. And so the goals in the business should have similar goals in accounting that reflect what you are wanting to track, what is important to the health and the growth of the business. And uh, we, we're very lucky in, in uh, where next because we have somebody who is, uh, is a graduate student in accounting. I mean, he was a graduate student a long time ago, but he's been an entrepreneur in Colombia, so and he is Colombian, but uh, went to college in the United States, has worked in the United States, and so he's familiar with the languages, the cultures, and he is a professional in every way. 
and he is effectively our director of operations and our in-house CFO in at our Columbia office, but he's basically managing the accounting for the entire firm. And it's really great to have somebody who not only understands the business, but also the cultures in which we operate and the systems in the two different cultures that we operate and the language. So it's really, it, it probably at the beginning, uh, Greg would say this too, it's what's kept where next alive, having somebody just monitoring what was happening with the money. <laughs> Yeah, where it was going, and then how to pay, uh, and how to pay uh, the founder back for his investment, how to get out of debt, just what where to take money, where and when to take money, when to trade money, because we're also trading money between um, the United States and Colombia. So we're doing forms of arbitrage, right? Like, yeah, like, when do we you know, like, let's wait a few days, because I think the dollar's going up or the Colombian peso is going down. And let's, let's trade that money when it's favorable. Things like that, somebody just paying attention to the, the, the gas tank, essentially, right, the cash is the gas tank for the business. You know, here's something I'm gonna like, I, I actually love the small business talk or business talk, right? Like, I, I feel like, um, but, and like how it re- like my mind is always connecting it back to like the structures of per- personal growth too, right? But like when we talk about accounting and how important the numbers are and the things that like, do you have kind of a left turn here, but like, do you have a system for documenting or tracking personal growth? Like, do you do anything like accounting for yourself or your or is it just like my body is my accounting and it tells me when or you know I mean like how do you operate wow that is such a good question and I there, ask oh, go ahead. when you ask <laughs> no it's just such a great question because the the first when you mentioned my body is my accounting system that that's probably the primary way and the 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 way i track it is by how much joy i'm experiencing at any given moment that's that's the most fundamental way um as far as metrics like having a metric or a tracking system i would say right now that the most useful system for me is act is rock climbing because I go to the gym three times a week, minimally, or that's my, that's my goal, typically three times a week. And I do a certain number of laps up and down. I will do, for those of you rock climb, a pitch is one length of rope or one length of a particular climb. So I will do 27 to 36 laps in the gym which is anywhere from let's say uh 1400 or 1300 vertical feet to 1800 vertical feet of climbing and then i will do certain grades of climbs during this period and see how well i do how much endurance i have and how hard i can climb so there's a grading system in the gym yeah and so i know if i'm getting stronger 
because like uh, the what brought me great joy over this holiday was I met a bunch of my pals and we went to the North gym and in succession I climbed a a route that was 11D and then I climbed one that was 12A right afterwards so that's been close to my limit for a very long time but I did those in succession and I did them I did them on the first go cleanly (laughs) I flashed I I flashed them essentially and for someone who's 61 that's pretty darn good and for me it's pretty darn good because I'm not necessarily built like a climber I'm a little taller and a little heavier than most people who are let's say professional or people I would consider super exceptional climbers. But for me, that level of strength and fitness and endurance uh, is something that in which I take great joy and that's progress. And I, that's the thing that I love about sports is it's really easy to track progress and in climbing, especially it's really easy to see how attitude, my mental attitude affects my physical performance like just being open to trying something that's super hard and (laughs) i have a i have a one of my climbing cohorts on on team geezer there's a bunch of us who are over 60 he just is relentless he's in the gym five days a week i don't i don't i couldn't really do that because i need to recover between these sessions uh so I, I probably climb a lot more volume than he does in uh, less days, but he is always trying harder stuff, always just pushing the limit. So I just follow him around the gym and it's like, ah, if Eric can, if Eric can do it, maybe I can do it. Yeah. Or if Eric's trying it, I'm going to try it because cool. it'll be super, yeah. it'll be super fun if we both <laughs> finish the climb. So that's, that is one way I track, but what I don't have, and I think what you're getting at here is a system for tracking progress in my vocational or, uh, you know, my career, my business life. I don't have a system necessarily for that because I think I'm, to most people, I might be flying by my the seat of my pants most of the time. <laughs> you know what? I have felt similar. I think for me, like, it, it's funny. When I started working with Play Studios, and this is something like in, when I started working with Play Studios, I, every day I keep a, a daily log of what I, like, it's like my three things, right? It's like what I want to do today, what I did, and what's next. And um, and then I have a little section for notes and needs at the bottom. And usually those are blank, but sometimes I have little notes and needs in there. But I just like copy and paste that into every single day. And every single day I have a log. And I like, you know, I start my day, my work day with filling out, here's what I hope to accomplish today. And then at the close of my day, I bookend it with, here's what I actually did. Um, and here's what I plan to do tomorrow. And then I, you know, then tomorrow comes, I copy it, paste it into my new log. I move the, you know, my list, update my list of here. Anyway, it rolls, it rolls every day, but like it, it's, um, 
I've done this before. Like, so that that's a, a method that started for me back when I worked at state parks as a park ranger. And like, what I loved about it was like, for us at the end of the summer, like, you know, at the start of the summer, they'd give park rangers, we'd have our little book, right? It was like a state of Nevada book. This is my play studios book, but, um, but yeah, we'd have like a little book and every day we needed to log like what we were doing and, and what we eat, the same three things that I just went through. And um, what was great about that is every week we had to provide a report to headquarters of what we had done. And then every month we had to uh, provide a report to the state agency. So we had like the district agency and then the state agency. So, um, you know, region five, we were in region five of the Nevada state park system. And um, so, yeah, we did that. And then we did the, the, but what you had is like, as the head park ranger, he could go through our log books and go, okay, we did this, 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 and this. And he would compile the list for the weeklies. And then from the weeklies, he could compile a monthly. And it was always very like, man, we did a lot of stuff, but he had started that. It wasn't something that all the park rangers did or had their seasonal rangers do. It was something that Eric did, our, our head ranger. And it was something that I just loved. When we got to the end of the summer, we had this book and we had to leave them at the park, but like we had this book of, um, you know, we could just go back and it was footprints in the snow, essentially, right? Um, it was footprints uh, where we could look back and, at, at how far we had come and how much, I mean, we restored over four seasons, we restored an 1800s stone cabin from, you know, it was just completely crumbled stone. We rebuilt this thing, had it furnished and created a museum out of it, right? Like in four seasons. And it was just like things like that. Those were just side projects <laughs> that we were doing along the way, but we had documentation of every stone that was placed and every, um, so that was a system that I really, um, even in my coaching practice that I encourage people to start doing because the footprints are, it's something that helps you really, I feel like it's very easy sometimes to get, to get a little lost and feel like you've not made any progress. Um, and sometimes like I rely on how I feel in my, you know, how do I look at my jeans this year or this month or whatever, you know, how do they fit? They're still fitting. I'm all right. They are stretchy jeans, but anyway, but you know, like there's sometimes it's like, you know, in the weight loss journey, there's photos, right. And, and like taking a starting photo and then actually doing daily or weekly photos and you can see real progress. Whereas you might get four weeks down the road and think nothing's happened, nothing's changed. But if you can look at where you started, you have real tangible evidence. And that's what the daily log is for me too. And so it's like, you know what, I have done some things, just flip through my daily log and you can see like, I, I, I don't know. So like, I don't know, that's a method, but I, I'm always curious about other people's methods of tracking. Well, it the here's the thing, it depends on what you decide is important and what you decide, what's your definition of progress. For me, progress isn't necessarily Certainly in business, there are material things that need to happen and change. Sure. No doubt. And tracking them and checking them off the list is really wonderful and can be bolstering and the, the footprints and to celebrate the footprints in the snow and then to celebrate where we have arrived. Those things are important. 
for me personally, it is about how I feel about where we're at. It's not about the material. It's how I feel. How is everyone feeling in the business? How, uh, how, how are they emotionally? How are they period? Not how you are not what you've done, but how you are, what you've done gets you or reflects how you are, right? If somebody's nervous or worried about certain aspects of the business, what they do is going to be different than how, uh, what they do for the business is going to be different than if they are confident mm -hmm. and, uh, and in themselves and the direction they've chosen for the business. And so part of that is looking at the tools. Am I, am I allowed to be confident, be, you know, take a look at the accounting, yeah. But we've, we've it, getting back to this kind of tracking or the, we've had, we could look at our accounting several different ways. And if, depending on how we look at it and the state of mind in which we look at it, we could be worried or we could feel really confident about yeah. our business. Right. So it is the, so, so it's important to note that even tracking even tracking is arbitrary. <laughs> it's funny. even in accounting, even <laughs> yeah. in accounting, tracking is arbitrary because we, we have, uh, and especially when you're looking at projections, oh, great. We have $300,000 coming in over the next three months, but we have to hire all these people and we're doing this Your and that. Your expenses go up with it. Yeah. Expenses are going up and we're not used to having so many expenses. So then we worry. And so we, uh, we put the focus on the expenses yeah. yep. instead of putting the focus on the money coming in, or we aren't confident about the money coming in continuing. And so again, these points of view are arbitrary. And so the tools, so then the, the tools are only a, as effective as the, the point of view and how you use them. So that's the, you interesting. know, interesting. Yeah. Cause, cause it is. And you know, it's funny. Cause when you were saying that I was thinking back on, you know, in the user experience, um, practice and content strategy practices, you you're looking at data a lot, right? A lot of data to inform your next decision. And, and I think businesses are that way in general, but like in the social media realm and design, you look at data and you use it to inform your next decision often, um, you know, in balance with intuition and, and knowledge and skill and all of that stuff. But like data helps drive, but when you're looking at data, sometimes you can decide that it's it's this way or that way. Like you can kind of like, I need data that proves this case. Well, you can probably find data that proves that case. And then on the counter, you can find data that proves a counter case, right? And it, I love that, you know, like that there's the notion of sometimes it's just your mindset and you need to have your mindset in the place that it needs to be if you're ever going to make any forward progress. Well, I, I mean, that's... confirmation, confirmation bias in, infects <laughs> everything we do. Yeah. And so the best we can do, the best we can do is to be present and clear and just look at all the information and decide what do I want to do with the information. Yeah. And, and the tools, the tools, 
the tools are just information, but you do, you, we do want to have good tools. And good and information. I, I guess right? I can, Well, yeah, you want accurate information. But again, we choose as even in accounting, right? We choose what buckets we want to create and what measures we want to watch in yeah. the business. And, and then you can, yeah, what's important. Yeah. We decide. Yeah. And let's hope that we decide what's important to us <laughs> is also important to the marketplace and that right. the two are congruent. <laughs> it is funny. Cause like going through, going back to the, like my accounting uh, adventure yesterday, it was great when she, like, you know, she was going through our bench stuff and kind of going, Oh, you know, if you have this category here, you actually are, are more profit profitable because this is a cost of goods, not just a regular expense category. Like it's a cost of goods. And she's like, that's like $25,000 that could be here. And instead, are you okay with moving that? And I was like, yes, <laughs> like that makes us look way better already. And so, you know, yeah. just stuff like that, like having her look through it and um, Kayla was awesome, man. But yeah, like, you know, but it is, it's that sort of, that sort of, um, what do you do with the information once you have it, right? Like when I saw the, the like sort of, we still have a few days left in this month. So, so we, we have to wait a couple of weeks to reconcile fully. Um, but you can kind of get a pretty good idea of how 2022 was, right? And we were $1,200 shy of being a break-even, which for, you know, if you look at the $100,000 we were shy in previous years, you know, um, that feels pretty darn good. Um, and so, yeah, yeah like when sure. I saw that, I mean, you could look at it and go, oh, we still were below zero or whatever, but like, I'm so excited that it was, it was only like $1,200. I was like, Whoa. but you know, it is, it's a perspective, yeah. right? Like, cause it's progress. Like I, I think, you know, this is where most companies could use uh, in like they seek investment, right. To stay afloat when we didn't need to seek investment, we were able to keep it afloat on our own. And while all the while you question, right? Like, is this, should we be keeping it open? Is this what well, we yeah. want to do? And, you know, you question well, every move along the way. Well, and again, the business is there to serve you, the founder, right? It's you there to serve so. the business is there. The business is there as a creative outlet for you, for Ken, for me even, right? That it's there to serve the people who decided to come together and create it. And so the, the, you know, the, the goal should be, how do I feel in this business? How does right. this business make me feel? What joy do I get from this business? Or is it just something that's an engine to get me to some material end? And if that's it, if the business is just some, some machine, to get me to a material endpoint or a material result along the way, then nah, I'm not so interested, right? Yeah. Like what is, where's the creative joy and where's the greater meaning in what we're doing, right? Like we all want meaning. We all want joy in what we do. And so that's the point of the business. Unfortunately, in the greater corporate environment, most businesses, especially giant corporations, they are just rolling towards some uh, material 
endpoint for the yeah. executives and for the shareholders uh, who are uh, and the executives who are also shareholders. And that leaves everybody else out. So no matter what type of accounting you're doing or what type of tracking people are doing, most people in those giant businesses aren't necessarily maybe feeling what you or I might feel the joy of growing a business or having been entrepreneurs and, and starting and owning a number of different businesses. They don't get that. They don't get that. And, um, and so then what do you have to track? What do you have to track success? And this, I think, comes back to yes it does feeling right it <laughs> yeah. comes back to ultimately ultimately how am i feeling at any given moment the feeling being totally present with who we are and what we are experiencing and that's all the different senses the the sensing in my sensing in my body the feelings the emotions that i'm feeling the thoughts that I'm having, the actions that I'm taking, and then the desires that I have, how are those all aligning? Or what are those, when those come together in the moment, what, what does that information tell me? Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, like you were saying, I had, I'd have meetings with my other accountant and, oh my gosh. and I would just be days. nervous. I'd yeah. just be nervous for days. Right. And, um, and, Hated oh, that. so many thoughts so <laughs> many thoughts coming into my mind uh, so we would have that same we have that same in where next we'd have that same thing because gabo has a very strict view of accounting so sometimes when we needed that we'd get the gabo point of view gabos are essentially our our cfo our financial numbers operations guy. <laughs> numbers guy in Bogota, when we needed a strict point of view and need the crap scared out of us, we'd just go to him. <laughs> when, when we needed a different point of view, we would, you know, a, a less austere point of view, we would look at um, bench and our other numbers. And then yeah. our, we would also, also, we would look at our CRM system and see how much see, look at the pipeline of business, because that's the other thing, one of the other tools as you grow, especially for a services business is to look, have a CRM tool and a pipeline. So we'd look at that pipeline and that would give us greater confidence against versus the most strict view of like, when do we run out of cash? If everything stopped now, when do we run out of cash? Well, we're not going to run out of cash because we have these four or five projects in the pipeline. So we put those two together and then we arrive in the middle and we can have a clear point of view. But ultimately, with all of the information, we have to take in the information of like, when I meet with this person that I'm going to do business with or who's advising me about my business, and if I have a cold sweat and <laughs> I'm not feeling well after it, there's there's one of two things that are wrong. One my business is in the wrong place or two, if my business is really in the right place and functioning the way I want, I'm dealing with the wrong person. Yeah. Right. I'm dealing with the wrong relationship. I am in the, 
and this extends beyond business. It's like every time I meet with this person or I'm around this person, <laughs> I have I have these sensations in my body. My stomach is turning. I have a cold sweat and I get a headache 20 minutes afterwards. Yeah. I, and seriously? Yeah. I'm sad. I'm sad or <laughs> I'm worried. I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's probably and a so, bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's probably. And so, so that's all information, right? That's all important information because the business or the re our relationships are meant to serve us. They're meant to bolster our lives and help us move forward. And they are there to provide joy. They're not there to just provide some kind of material benefit. And so that's, these are the I am more and more turning inward to understand what's important and how I should navigate. And you know this is the, once we, <laughs> once we learn, once we learn how to use the tools, the, the material tools and the, have the talent around us, give us good information. Then the, the only, the next level of information is our own spiritual, emotional, physical sensing selves, right? Like there's, there's some information that just turns into a cold sweat under your armpits. You don't even think about it, yeah. but that's in, that's information. That's super important information about a business relation. I just remember one, this is a long story and it's really weaving in a lot of places, but I think both you and I are excited about this. I had one business meeting, uh, my pal Norman and a group of us had created a, uh, an encoding technology. This was before, this is right at the beginning, let's say around 2000 to 2003. Uh, we were trying to figure out a way to encode MIDI data into a Redbook audio stream. And okay. for those of Redbook audio stream is, is the uh, quality that's recorded onto a CD. So it's CD quality audio, but we also wanted to hide data in the audio so that we could use the data to drive special effects. And so we had a great team of people, my friend Bob, who had worked with steely dan on custom equipment and bob's and bob was the vice president of the audio engineering society and we had a really awesome team that put together this little device that we could use with a midi keyboard a midi tools kit that was also part of a, a product that uh, these guys had had and then uh created a patent for this little device that could encode audio onto a Redbook CD. And it allowed Norman to do these concerts where he could drive these flashing glasses. So this was all we thought was really awesome. Little did we know that now, you know, that 20 years into the future now, there are a hundred ways to do this all digitally that don't require any hardware. <laughs> and, you know, our, our little patent now, so we, got this patented and um, there was a great need for this type of technology because Nestor was around and people were pirating music and people yeah. wanted to 
watermark music. And so this was a method to watermark music. So I, uh, I actually went to Japan to, to see if Denon Nippon, uh, audio, uh, Denon Nippon Columbia, which was a, a publishing company, music publishing company, if they wanted to buy this, but also we had somebody who we knew and I, I won't, uh, be, because this person is still a friend of mine and in, in a group of and people, uh, we met with somebody who was connected to, a, to Paul Allen's companies here in Seattle. And they, and Norman and I met with him because we thought maybe we can sell this patent or maybe we can create a company around this, just this patent of yeah. this type of encoding technology. And so this person, we, we met with this person and they had this giant, they had a giant contract, giant pile of, you know, just a huge 30 page contract of like, and he wanted 50% of the company. Wow. Right. Just to start, it was a shark tank moment for yeah, us. Yeah, right. It was like just Except it wasn't really with the sharks. It was just with somebody who was just trying at the at the time trying to be a shark because mm -hmm. he was part of um these companies and and so we when we left that meeting norman and i talked and i go how did you feel about that and norman goes i just didn't feel good about it. i felt i didn't feel good about any of it it just all felt really awful gross yeah yeah and and uh and uh and i said yeah i was kind of nauseous the whole time and then and then so then we thought well okay we're gonna ignore we're gonna ignore um this or not, we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna ignore it but we're gonna put that aside we know we felt nauseous we know we didn't like the way we felt in this meeting but let's go meet with a friend of friend of Norman's, uh, Doug Raff, who is a, you know, one of the five six hundred dollar an hour attorneys high in one of the high towers here in town at one of the the big firms. And we walk into the room where there's, you know, there's thirty there's thirty seats at the board table, and you're on the you see the full view of Puget Sound and Mount Rainier from the board, this boardroom, this meeting room. And it's just three of us in this giant room. And we hand wrap the, the papers and he looks through it and he goes, nah, this is all pretty much boilerplate stuff. This is just like a boilerplate contract. <laughs> Let me ask you one question. Do you like this guy? <laughs> Just purely from a business, like, do you want to yeah. be in business with this person? Yeah, exactly. And we said, okay, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was like the, that, that was the advice from that's a friend, but also advice. somebody who's the, you know, whatever, the $600 an hour attorney yeah. who does this. But that was the, and so it came down to, no matter, we could have applied tons of metrics to this. We could have tried to value, we could have tried to meet with other people, tried to put a better value on our patent, 
and uh, you know, just shop it around. But in the end, it was just like, how do you feel? Yeah. Right. At the highest, what what that's the what that moment told me is that at the highest levels of business where the people are spending millions of dollars on legal work and accounting, it still comes down to the most the most powerful lawyer in the equation saying, do you like this person? Yeah. No, how do you right? feel? Do like, you, that's such a good how question. do you feel about working this person? And so to me, that 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 was one of the most important business lessons of my life. And it, it didn't cost us anything because Raph was a friend of Norman's. And, uh, but we, the, it did cost us something because we all had to work on this, you know, putting this patent together. And then a lot of the guys gave their time to just designing the circuit boards and coming up with the encoding algorithms and all of the hard work. And me, I didn't, I wasn't doing any coding. I was just managing, basically put the, put the team together and got everybody to meet. But the, that lesson that was worth the lesson we never we never made any money on that patent norman produced a series of concerts using the hardware that uh steve and alan and and um and bob came up with an incredible series of concerts but only money was spent creating this project mm -hmm. and then years later we still had this patent in the digital harmony portfolio and somebody approached us about buying the patent. Oh, wow. It was just somebody approached us. They knew we, they, there were a couple of patents. Somebody approached us about it and they, and they, and they only offered us 10 grand for it. That's funny. And we just said, <laughs> <You're gonna> like... <laughs> we, just said we just said, fuck it for 10 grand. We're keeping it. It's worth more to us yeah. from a sentimental standpoint than like, really, you're only going to give us 10 grand for this. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. cause it was just a, it was just a, a patent real estate grab. Yeah. You know, like a Nathan, Nathan Mirvold patent yeah. real estate grab, just so that you could own a bunch of turf. Yeah. And then, you know, control it. And we're like, fuck it. No, this is our little patent. We're going to, yep. we're going to keep it. I think that's great. What a great story. And like, you know, along the way, as you're telling it, it, it kind of ties back to something we've discussed many times. And this goes back years and years, but like that, that core thing, what the lawyer said to you, right? Like, how do you feel? How do you feel about working with this person? And then like rewind a little further you were talking about like what's what's important right and and this goes back to like the of all the things i think i've ever written down the thing that guided me um a quote by a, a brilliant friend who once said it's not about what's next it's about what's important stefan sheer that was that was those were your <laughs> words and um you know those those words have actually like you know that's what like prompted me to design my life, right? To, to realize that I can design my life with a set of core values, with a set of like 
just reminding myself that I have these core values. That's what I check in with when, when, you know, it's like you go with this contract or whatever, like, um, whatever it is, you go back to those core values and you say, does this check out? Do I, I weigh this against what I value as important, right? Like, do I like this person? Is it fun? Is it, is it going to move me in the direction I want to be moving in um, for whatever my personal values reasons are? Those are the things that, those are my compass. Those are the compass that guides me. And um, so asking that question like that at, at every turn, right? Like that, that to me, it's not about what's next. It's about what's important. I go back to that over and over and over. And, you know, and when you made that statement, that was what the first thing I did was I wrote down what is important to me. And, you know, we talk about like frameworks and um, letting go of frameworks and, and all of the things that we've evolved and worked through and grown through and, and, those are the things that I, I feel help me grow the most, right? Or when I wrote down those values, the things that are important to me, like any number of goals or efforts could support those values. And those values are open. I, I feel like they guide me in a direction, but there's enough openness around them that there's no like end point, right? I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like it's it's open. It's like I'm going in a direction, but it's always the direction I want to be going in, even though I don't have like an end point in mind. If that makes sense. Um, well, yeah. Um, be again, because the future, the future is a fantasy, mm -hmm. as is the past. So even looking back at, the, I mean, it is motivating to look back at all the material things we've accomplished. Sure. That is, that can be very, <laughs> that can be very motivating. That though puts us in a place, it puts us in the present of yes, what is now that I have taken all these footsteps, it, it is a good way to look at now, where am I? Where am I standing? Yeah. Where am I standing? And what, yes, what is important, but what am I looking at? And if I'm too busy looking at the footsteps, I'm not necessarily looking at what is around me or what's in That's front of me or what point. I'm feeling, what right. I'm feeling in the moment, like the, the, that the looking at the footsteps or looking at the material things we have accomplished can also be a false idol. It, it can. And I think when I, when I bring it up as like, I think it's important and maybe this is, this is as a, as a practice, right? As you practice on sort of getting good at, at letting go, maybe is, is what I'm trying to say. Like as a practice, as sort of a foundational starter, I feel like keeping track is important because it's very easy when you get knocked off your, your game, it's very easy to be down on yourself and to feel like you haven't accomplished anything. And so the, the footprints give you a sense of like, you know what, I've come really far. Like, you know, I mean, just in terms of like our tiny challenges or, or whatever, like those were a thing that helped me realize like, you know what, I've come a lot further than I was giving myself credit for. And I, I wanna I wanna take a moment and, and just like feel those things, like appreciate those things and say, you know what, 
just keep going. Right. And, um, and yet I don't want those things to define, um, sorry, hang on. Bear with me one second. I had an emergency this. pop up there. <laughs> All is good. Uh, the sorry. All right. So as, as far as like the footprints though, like I, I, I think there's a point at which you can let go of, of documenting and tracking probably, right? But I think if you're kind of just getting started, it's a great foundational building tool. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, we need to know the landscape in which we operate. So having a good picture of what's around us is super important. The, I think from a spiritual standpoint, it, I would ask the question of what if you have never accomplished anything that is part of, part of what you decided is important? What if you have no material accomplishments other than you are Jamie in this moment and in this time and you strip yourself of all your material accomplishments? Then who are you and how do you feel about yourself if you can still have that same joy and that same passion for being in the moment and the same creative energy for stuff that may be in front of you, then I'd say that's an awesome result. But if without, for us, without all of the accounting and notebooks and CRM pipeline, if we can still be okay with all of that being gone, stripping all of that away, then I'd say we've done a good job spiritually so that's to me that's the trick is beyond all material measure of the business because you can have all the material measure and we can have all the goals and the spreadsheets and the, and we have all that and you have all that and we know we know that that gives us we have good information and we have good people around us but if we strip all of that away and all of my accomplishments and all of my stories about this and that and my entire path getting here, am I still happy? Am I still clear? Am I still, do I still have, feel like I have opportunities for joy in this moment? Can I generate that? Do I feel it? Am I satisfied with who I am right now? Do I feel lucky to be in this moment? And so those are the questions I'm asking myself. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Do you punk? So the question is, have I created five businesses or six? Has my time run out to be an entrepreneur? Do, Do I feel lucky? That's so funny. I love it. <laughs> Do you punk? <laughs> so that, um, so th that's what I return to because again, all of these tools, all of these material measures are arbitrary. They are designed, they are designed to feed our idea of what's important. And, and in business, we agree to a realm of what's important. We agree to a greater 
realm in business of what's important, which is you get more money than you spend for the service <laughs> that you provide so that you can have money to survive, right? Exactly. <laughs> and grow. And so that's, a, that's an agreed upon set of rules. But beyond those, beyond those things, are we happy? Are we, is the business serving our fundamental core spiritual being? And for that, the ultimate measure is how we feel in any given moment. That's the ultimate measure. If we've just done our homework on the, on the material parts, because those, those are always going to exist because we live in a, thanks to Madonna, we all know that we live in a material world. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Madonna. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, man, I, um, I like the self check-in. I mean, I, I don't know. I ha I don't think I've ever framed it in the way that you phrase it, where it's like, if without everything that you have around you, like, are you still okay? Like, and that, that really goes back to a lot of like, like that last, I think one of the last conversations I had with my dad, which I've shared several times, I'm sure. But like, you know, I was like, how, how were you able to just like walk away from a job when you had like a mortgage and a family and kids and he was like, I didn't care if we had to live in a tent. Like I knew we'd, be, we'd figure it out, you know? And it was just, it was like his uh, detachment from things was admirable to me. And I like, and it's easy to forget that the what we have um, around us, where we live, what we've surrounded ourselves with is really not important <laughs> it's really just not important what's important and what was always important to my dad is exactly what you just talked about is like how do I feel do I like this do I like the people I'm doing this with and 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 is it fun and you know is it meaningful um and you know I, I in so many ways that's exactly what I come back to that's what drives me those are in my little core values list you know am I having fun am I putting something good into the world because the world has enough garbage without me contributing to the garbage pile like I just want to I want to contribute something that that is meaningful to me at least you know that I feel is meaningful maybe to others but I don't know well so, yeah who you who who you are is the ultimate contribution everything else is just a material game but who you are in that game how you show up, how you radiate who you are to those of us around you, that is your contribution. Everything else is just the material landscape in which who we are operates. Yeah. And so that's the beauty of being human or is that there are an infinite number of ways to express ourselves and the universe has no judgment about what's good or bad right like if like a, a tree grows a flower grows and then lightning lightning hits the tree and destroys the tree then from that a couple of seedlings next to that lightning destroyed tree <laughs> <laughs> grow up 
And the universe doesn't care. The universe doesn't have any judgment of whether that creation or that destruction of the tree is good or bad. That's all up to us. We decide what's good, what's bad, what brings us joy. And the ultimate contribution is how we show up in that giant realm of possibilities. Damn, that's it. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. it, right? Yeah. Because, how we yeah, because, because I can show up and say, oh, we closed this giant deal, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it means that our company will be healthy. It means that we get to hire people. But is this creating joy for the founders of the company? Is this creating more freedom for each of us to be ourselves and, uh, and radiate that to those around us, right? Because I could spend a bunch of money and get a bunch of cool things. But if I don't have anybody to enjoy those with, or if I'm not enjoying myself because I'm stressed about my business, <laughs> what is the point? What's yeah. the point of yeah. any of it, right? Because then, it, then all it is, is I'm just doing this to get some material result. Yeah. And that's not the, to me, that is not the point of the, the business. That's not the point. And I love talking about tools and I yeah, love talking I about, <laughs> I love talking about having great people around me and frameworks around which to measure the material success of my business. But the material success of my business is to me is only to serve one thing, to give me the freedom to be myself, Yeah. to, to that... entertain. That's it. <laughs> hold on I'm that's writing the that only down. thing because that because that's that's exactly it and I feel like that's where Ken and I have been too like everything we do is to just perpetuate the freedom of choice right the freedom to choose what we work on who we work with and like everything we do is is kind of to and and to have like autonomy of time like I own my time nobody else owns my time but me and I I, I think that's that's really at its core, the driving motivation for all of these sort of like business uh, ventures and adventures. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's really, that's it, is that's the motivator is like, yeah, does this help me continue doing this? Because, you know, and when, it, and when something doesn't feel right anymore, it's time to gravitate in a different direction and, and being aware of that is important. And, and that's something, you know, like I've, I've worked through over the last, I don't know, both months and weeks and years, um, but like ongoingly as well is just kind of checking in is like how, what is my role? What is my contribution? Is it what I want it to be? And if not, how do I own that? How do I own where I'm spending time and how I'm, I'm contributing and how I'm showing up? Um, as you phrased it. And I, I think, yeah, like I, I, I sometimes fumble my way through, um, I don't know, getting back to that. Like, you know, it's, it's easy to get knocked off your path or knocked off your course. And I, I don't even like saying that because that implies that there's a specific trajectory and there's really not, you know, it, it's just, 
I, I do feel like I, I forget or I lose sight of, um, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the day-to-day and kind of lose sight. You got to re-check in. You got to check in and say, where am I at? How am I feeling? How am I showing up? What am I putting out there? Yeah, who is the boss of this show? <laughs> <laughs> I I have friends who've been in, well, one friend who's been a sole proprietor or in has been his own business for 20 or 30 years. And he still has moments where we're hanging out. It's like, I got to go. I got work to do. And I'm like, you've been in this business 30 years, right? Or 25, whatever. I mean, it's a long time. You're the boss. I'm like, talk to your boss. See if he can give you another extra half hour to hang out with us. Just talk to the boss. Yeah. Right? right. Like no one will die. No one will die because you've you've been doing this 20 years people need you there's a people need you to do whatever you do i'm not going to out this person but sure but sure like step step into your office and talk to the boss and see if the boss will give you a half an hour to hang out with us dude right <laughs> right but it but it's like the so and that is that is an obvious example of someone who's let the material aspect of the business is still running the business. The material aspect of the business is still running the business. The, the business isn't serving that person's spiritual goals. And that, and somebody might argue with me about that. Well, you know, you have, a, I'm responsible for a lot of people and I have lots of clients and yes, all of those things are true yet you still have not after 20 years designed the business to give you even a half an hour of freedom in the middle of the week. Yeah. Right. And I understand if you have an appointment or, you know, you like, you make an appointment to meet or talk with somebody, but the, the, um, uh, it just tells me that the core design of the business was not for the spiritual growth of the people who were part of the business for the freedom and the, and the spiritual growth. Like, do you think, do you think Warren Buffett when he, you know, do you think Warren Buffett doesn't have freedom to do what he wants to do? Right. Even though he's responsible and the leader of, and, and the, the icon for maybe hundreds of super successful businesses that bring in billions of dollars in profits right? He, he is doing what he loves every day. He's drinking his Coca-Cola. He's got his candy, he owns C's candies. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> he has joy in his business every day and, and uh, an incredible amount of freedom to pursue his uh, creative whims. Yeah. And that's really, that's, that's it right there to me that it always comes back to that is that and I, I just I call it autonomy, but like autonomy of time and of self. And like, to me, that freedom that it's funny because with raising kids, um, that's like, you know, to me, the, the idea of success that I 
hold for them, even though that's not my responsibility really. But like what I try to demonstrate is that the freedom, the freedom of choice is to me, that's the ultimate success. It's not necessarily a financial success or that you make gazillions of dollars or have this material um, display of, of, you know, stereotypical success. It's, it's about owning your time, being able to work on the things that you want to work on and not being miserable in your day-to-day, not having to feel like you have a job that you hate going to, but you need it to survive. Like to me, that's, that success is, is not, you know, yeah. Not having to subscribe to that channel, so to speak. And, um, that's what I try to instill in them as well. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I feel like we, Hmm. we covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We well, we went from tools, which are the fundamental frameworks of being an entrepreneur, to the actual what is the ultimate goal of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Which I hope, I hope people understand is a certain level of emotional joy and creative uh, outlet and personal freedom. <laughs> freedom to work with your dog uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah no I think that's it though I, I do I think that that's I mean and you know this is like one of those things too our goals may not be everyone's goals and that's fair enough those who maybe find alignment um, may find themselves here and rooting in the uh, oh you mean you mean here at our podcast yeah stumbling into our pot stumbling into our podcast and going what are these guys talking about right because i do i don't know i know it it may not be for everyone but i do think there's um i don't know i like i like this path i like this path and the conversation checkpoint i i like it yeah well we always arrive we we start we start and we wind our way usually <laughs> to a uh, we a golden nugget. We always come to a golden nugget uh, every it's not time. About what's next? So it's about what's important. Yeah, and in the moment, who are we? How do we, uh, devoid of all material accomplishments and possessions, who are we? And and how are we in that moment? I'm writing this down because I, I made little notes. Like last week, I wrote down the gut health episode. And this week, I wrote down the small biz episode. But I was writing some other notes. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah, feel free to fill in. Feel free to go oh, uh, yeah. into, the episodes, <laughs> into the episodes on Anchor. Feel free to go into the episodes on Anchor and on on uh, the YouTube's YouTube and yeah. add add stuff to the descriptions. Yeah, I, I and for our audience, that. just feel free. And for our for <laughs> our audience, feel free to go listen to a few other episodes and see if you can find your golden nugget in there yeah. too. Comment and, comment about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come, leave us a comment. I dare you to leave a comment. This is like episode twenty-eight and I, or twenty-nine. Yeah, and we dare you to leave a comment. I love it. <laughs> With that, Stefan, I think we have our clothes. <laughs> yes, I think I think we are complete for this uh, Thursday. 
Thank you. On the Unconstrained Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll see you next week. See you next week. Take care.